0: There's two waters. One of them fell out. <laughs> no worries. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I know that the time I've spent in the psalm the past few weeks has been a big blessing to me, so I hope that we can find some good things in here today. So before we get into the psalm, I had a question for you all. Have you ever been in a situation where you were in trouble and you didn't have any way to get out of it on your own? Well, this is something that happened to me when I was in sixth grade, Back in middle school, I had this paper due for history class, and it had been due for a few weeks, and I was a sixth grader, I was new to middle school, I was kind of making progress, it was ginormous, three to five pages, it was (laughs) giant, and it had been due for a few weeks, the deadline was getting closer and closer, and then finally it was the week that it was due, it was Wednesday night, and it was due the next day. And I I remember I was at youth group, and I realized, I am not going to get this paper done. Youth group goes till about 8 o'clock. I'm not going to be able to finish this off tonight. There is no way this is going to get done. And I just accepted that was what was going to happen. And it was in January, so before I went to bed that night, it was supposed to snow a little bit, so I prayed, God, would you just help me have a snow day tomorrow? Would you just help me have a snow day? And yeah, I I don't know why, I probably could I definitely could have finished that paper, but I went to bed that night, prayed for the snow day, went to bed, woke up the next day, and sure enough, we had a snow day, so God delivered me from that situation, even though I didn't deserve it at all. Uh, I, I tried that again in high school once, it did not work that time, so just wanted to let the young guys out here know that. That was just a description of what happened, not something you should try to do, well, The psalm that we're going to spend some time in this morning, it comes from David's life. It's a much more serious situation when David was in trouble and didn't have any idea how he was going to get out of it. So before we start off in Psalm 56, I just want to pray for God to help us see things in the psalm this morning. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. thank you specifically for the psalms and just giving your people through your Holy Spirit this book of prayers and songs and just all these great things for us as humans to look at and be encouraged by and have things modeled for us, Lord. Um, I pray this morning that you would help us to see great things in Psalm 56. I pray that you would help us to remember who you are as we're looking at it, Lord. And I just pray you'd be with me, help me to say things are true, and I pray that you would just teach us through your word this morning, Lord. It's in your name we pray, Amen. So you might have noticed when Joanna read Psalm 56, at the very top it says, To the choir master according to the dove on far off Terebinth. And it was a king. You'll remember that Israel originally did not have a king. And they asked God for a king so they could be like the other nations. And God warned them that that would bring trouble to them. But they wanted that anyway. So God gave them over to that and had Samuel anoint King Saul. And King Saul looked like he might be a good option at first. He was tall, he was handsome, he was strong. Kind of the picture that you would think of as a king. But as time went on, it was clear that King Saul was not the king that Israel needed. Um, Sometimes he went against God's commands. He didn't have the proper respect for God. And God rejected him as king. So God sent Samuel out to go find David and then anoint David king. Even though David wouldn't become king. Immediately. Um, we see Saul and David interacting and getting along well, but there starts to be problems right after David defeats Goliath. So I'll read from 1 Samuel 18 6 through 9, where we get a glimpse into this. Um, as they were coming home, um, this is after David defeated, actually, yeah, as they were coming home when David returned from striking down the Philistine, that's Goliath. The women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, singing, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the whole kingdom?" And Saul eyed David from that day on. So we see Saul's jealousy for David is starting to boil over. Eventually, Jonathan tell, or Jonathan, Saul's son tells David, David, you need to get out of here because my dad's going to come after you. And then after we see Jonathan give David that warning, he needs to escape. So he goes to the city of Nob, which some of the priests were at. And he asks them for like some supplies to help him as he's running away. Um, He actually lies about why he's there. They end up giving him the bread of presence, which is a holy bread that David shouldn't have just taken for himself, probably. And they also gave him a weapon. They gave him Goliath's sword, the sword that Goliath had been carrying around. And while David was there, um, he saw one of the people that would report to Saul that he probably wasn't expecting would be there. So he knew that Saul's going to know I'm here, so I need to get on to the next city. So since All of Saul's resources were going after David. He went to a city that he thought he would be safe. Um, It had to be a city that wasn't an Israelite city. So he went to the city of Gath, which was nearby. Um, The problem with the city of Gath is that was where Goliath was from. So here David comes. People know who David is. He's pretty famous. And he's coming in with Goliath's sword. So as you could guess, going to the city of your enemies with the weapon of their hero is not a great situation. And David gets there, and of course, he's imprisoned and in not a good spot at all. Saul's after him. He's captured by his enemies, too. And so that's where we enter Psalm 56. And while we probably haven't been chased down by an army before, I know that we've all been in times in life when we're not sure how we're going to get out of situations, whether it's a death that's really hard on us or an injury. Uh, we all have had situations like this. So we can see how God or how David approaches God in this time. Yeah, so starting in Psalm 56, verse 1 and 2. Uh, David writes, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all the day long, and many attra- for many attack me proudly. So we see what David does in the midst of this terrible situation is he reaches out to God. Um, He starts by saying, be gracious to me, God. I really need your help here. Please turn your face toward me and help me get out of this. And then once he initiates the prayer with God, he also just tells God about what's going on. Um, He uses kind of dramatic language. He's describing that people are trampling on him, that they're pressing him, that they attack him and are proud of it we see that David just tells them what's going on. He doesn't, or he tells God how he's feeling. He doesn't just give them a checklist of these are the things going on. He really tells God how he feels. And I just want to remind us that that's something that we can do too, just like David did. And then after he tells God what's going on, we actually get the chorus of the song. Remember I said that this is a song that they actually would have sang. So we get the first version of the chorus in the song. That says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So at the beginning of that, we see that David's very honest with God. He just says, God, right now, I am super afraid. I'm captured by my enemies. I really need you. He just admits, God, I'm afraid. I'm having a hard time trusting you. But we see that he takes that fear and he admits that, God, I'm choosing to put my trust in you. And if you're not a Christian or you don't know much about the story, you might be like, why would David just put his trust in this God? Or why might a Christian put their trust in God? And we get a look into David's reasoning behind that in the second part. He says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. So David is reminding himself of God's word. Um, We could think of some things David might think of. He might think of God's covenant with Abraham. He might think of how God helped deliver the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. He might even be thinking about how the prophet Samuel had anointed him, and he knew that he was going to be king someday. He knew who God was and had confidence in that. And when we think of the word word in our New Testament post Christ context, and we think back to the beginning of John where we have Jesus described as the Word. Just wanted to read a little bit from John. Yeah, so John chapter 1, verse 14, we get, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes. So while David could think back to God's Word from beforehand, We can also look back and see that we know the word by a name. We know the word as Jesus. We have this word, but we also have Jesus. But like David, we can have that confidence. And then we look at the next part. David then writes, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So he's reaffirming that I'm trusting in God, and I don't need to be afraid. For what can flesh do to me? Well, if you think about where David is right now, I could think of a lot of, thing, a lot of awful things that could happen to him. He's in, captured by his enemies. We know what he did with Goliath. He cut off Goliath's head. What more would they do to him? But that reminded me of some of the words of Jesus where we get kind of that same, what seems like a paradox. In Luke 21, this is Jesus teaching, probably talking to his disciples. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. So Jesus is saying, a lot of you will be put to death, you will suffer hardship, but then he says, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. So just like Jesus would teach later on, David knows that even if this situation does go bad, even if... They do kill me or whatever might happen in that situation. He knows that he's eternally secure because that God is with him and that God has saved him. And we're reminded of Jesus' words in John 16:34, where he says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So even in those situations, we can remember that we're still held up by Christ, and even though we're stuck in hard times, that we're eternally secure. So David has been reminding himself of these truths. He started out, God, I need you. This is what's going on, but I'm going to trust in you. Starting in verse 5, we see that. He's kind of being reminded of all the things that are going on right now in his life. Starting in verse 5, we read, All day long they injure my cause, all their thoughts against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps, as they have waited for my life. So he's like still caught in what's going on. And then he says, For their crime will they escape, and wrath casts down the peoples of God. Yeah, so he's asking for these people to get what they deserve. And we'll come back to that in just a little bit. Yeah, and now, starting at verse 8, we have a little bit of a, a turn in the psalm. But before we get there, I just wanted to share a story back from... This is actually in high school, not middle school. Um, I was trying out for the basketball team as a freshman. And I was pretty nervous, because they were going to cut half of the guys that were trying out. There were 30 freshmen trying out. And only 15 of us can make the team. And tryouts were weird. They kind of lasted over a month. So that was a time where freshman Nathan was just kind of stressed out for a long time. (laughs) And something that my mom did to help me is she gave me um, this little notebook. And she said, Nathan, I know you're really stressed right now. I want you to just write down what you're worried about in this book. And so I did that. I, and she said, in a few weeks, we're going to look back at this and see how God helped you through it. So I did that. I looked back a few weeks later. It turned out good. I made the team, and I could just see that once I wrote it down, once I brought it to God, that he was faithful and comforted in my heart. Even if I wouldn't have made the team, it would have been okay And since then, I've filled up a lot of the pages. I have this many of the pages filled. There's things from college in here, too. And I just thought that was cool, that just God has been with me that whole time. I wrote it down myself, but I learned something as I was reading through this psalm. I learned that I wasn't the only one who had been keeping track. So starting in verse 8, we read, this is David writing, um, being filled by the Holy Spirit, he says, you have kept count of my tossings. So we see that David saying that that whole time, um, yours might have a note that says wandering, that whole time he's been through these troubles, running from Saul town to town, that God has been keeping track of those. Um, when I first read this without studying it much, it reminded me of the, maybe you can relate to this too, um, times you've been trying to sleep and kind of tossing back and forth in bed because you're stressed. I think that also applies to this. Um, David reminds us that God is not only with us in, these, in those things, but he's also keeping count of them. And what comes right after that is David says that, for you have put my tears in your bottle. And that's a pretty cool picture. Um, when I read that, I think about when you're crying, your tears usually come down and then hit the ground, and then they're just gone. If you think, it could seem kind of sad that like your tears just... Hit the ground, and it's meaningless, and they're just gone. But we get this picture here that God is actually collecting those tears, that none of those sorrows are wasted, that he's using those and keeping track of them, even when we're not. Then we have one more thing that connects to what I was thinking about with my book. David also tells us that God's keeping track of them, and that those troubles are in his book. So while I was keeping track of this book, God has a book, much bigger for me I'm sure that he's been keeping track of all the things that's been happening even the good things and the hard things and I know that that can be a hard thing to deal with I'm knowing that God's keeping track of all those things but like, why would he let those just keep happening that's a hard thing to deal with and I think one of the best places to look when you're asking that question is in Second Corinthians, I think I have that verse to put up. Yeah, Second Corinthians four, let me get to that. Yeah, Second Corinthians four, sixteen. When we read, so even in the midst of trouble, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we're just told that even the hard things, it describes it as light momentary afflictions. I know in the midst of it, it sure doesn't feel like that. But we're just reminded that All of those troubles that someday we'll be able to look back on them and just see how God has delivered us through them. Um, It just made me think of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, where it says that as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I do acknowledge that's hard to remember in the midst of those troubles. But one of the things I really like is that the Bible doesn't just ignore that problem of suffering in the world. It engages that and gives us words to pray and language to understand it. So before we get to the sort of the last section, I just want to take a step back and remind us what we've seen. Um, We see that even in the midst of great trouble, David cries out to God and asks for his grace. he tells him what's going on, he isn't afraid to share the details with him. And then he says, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. Um, That is kind of difficult for him. We see him go back the other way and focus on the troubles for a minute. But then he is reminded that God is with me in the midst of this trouble. He's kept counting my tossings. He has my tears in his bottle. These things are written in his book that he is with me, even in the midst of that. So after the part about troubles, in verse 9, we read, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. So David just reminds himself that God is for me. And then we get the uh, the chorus of the song, but it's changed a little bit this time. We read, Amazing. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. Notice he added in the line, In the Lord whose word I praise this time. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? So as they're singing this song, they repeat this part of the song, but this time they add in the phrase, in the Lord whose word I praise. And you might wonder, well, why would David add that in? In your ESV, it'll have the Lord in all caps. That means that's the word for Jehovah, one of the personal names of God. So David is just reminding himself who God is in the difficult time. And isn't that such a good thing for us to do too? The midst of trouble, instead of focusing on the circumstances, focusing on who God is. And then, after that chorus, we read starting in twelve. He says, "I must perform my vows to you, O God, and I will render thanks offerings to you." So, in the midst of that, he turns to God in praise. And then, the next verse, we see why he's able to praise. Then thirteen, we read, "For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling." that I may walk before God in the light of life. And we see David chooses interesting words here. I mean, he doesn't say, You've, you will deliver me from my enemies and Gath. He doesn't say, you'll anoint me king. He says, you have delivered my soul from death. So that asks the question, why would David's soul need to be saved from death? Well, in David's life, a few pages in your Bible, you can probably see what goes on in David's life. Maybe some blatant situations that his soul would need saving from. We see David takes another man's wife, gets her pregnant, then has her husband killed to try to cover up. Not a very good thing on the king of Israel's resume. So we could see why David might say words like, you've delivered my soul from death. But I just wanted to remind us all through what we read in Romans that um, David isn't the only one whose soul needs saved from death. Romans 3.23 reminds us that for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, each of us in our own hearts have rejected God and gone against his ways. And since God is a just God, those sins against him need to be punished somehow. We can definitely see that sin's in our world. You don't have to look too far. Just check the news or see how you react when someone mistreats you. Yeah, we are just all people who need saving. <coughs> then We don't have to stay there too long though. Romans 6.23 brings us the good news. Yeah, The first part says, for the wages of sin is death. Um, if you, when you think about wages, you earn wages for a job. <laughs> wages are what you have earned. So That's not great news, that the wages of sin is death, that our sin has earned us death. But right after that, it reminds us, but the free gift, you could think about, well, what's a gift? It's something you're given, not something you've earned. It adds the word free. It's not just a gift. It's a free gift. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're reminded that because God is just, the penalty of sin needed to be paid, but Jesus was able to pay that penalty for us. Then I have one more Romans passage, Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we're just reminded there, even though we have that problem of sin, that that can all be paid by what Christ has done them. By admitting to God, God, I have sin in my life. I've rejected you. I need a Savior. By admitting that and then turning to God and saying, and I know that Jesus has paid that, and I want to serve you and trust in that and follow you. We know, just like that verse says, that we, have, we can be justified by the blood of Christ and saved from the wrath of God. So just like David had said in the psalm in verse 13 when he said, you have delivered my soul from death and my feet from failing, we can also be in that same boat. That we are people who have been saved from death. We have been people who are also held up by God. That he's kept us from failing or falling in order that we may walk before God in the light of life. And yeah, I know that When you come in today, we have people that are in a lot of different spots. Some people you might feel like you're Psalm 56, worst situation of my life. Um, We might have people who are having great weeks. But I just want to encourage you that um, this psalm gives us great words to pray, great truths to focus on. And even if you're in the midst of that trouble, we can be like David and turn to God in the midst of that. So before I close for today, I just want to read through a few of the verses in here. So just go ahead and listen. They won't be up on the screen, but just let these words written by David so long ago through the Holy Spirit, just encourage your soul. We read, Be gracious to me, O God, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? For you have kept count of my tossings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. For what can man do to me? Because you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling in order that I may walk before God, the light of life. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the truth in the psalm, God. We thank you that um, you're a God who's with us, that you're a God who doesn't just see our troubles and let them pass, that you're a God who keeps track of our tossings, that our tears aren't wasted, that you see them and are keeping them. And somehow, even though we might not always understand that you're using those for your good and for your glory to make us more like Jesus. We just thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray for those who are like David in terrible situations right now, God. I pray that you would just encourage their hearts, help them to trust you. And we just thank you for the Savior we have in Jesus. And that even though... We will experience trouble in this world and you've overcome the world and you're keeping us safe in the midst of that. In God whose word we praise and the Lord whose word we praise, amen.